You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I'm on the road right now, here at my home, really, in San Francisco, my home studio when I'm on the road. And I just had an incredible experience, and I just want to send a big shout out to everybody who came out to the Take Control Conference. I appreciate you guys so much. You showed me so much love, and the event was definitely transformational. You know, so um, I've been through a lot this past week, so much amazing stuff, but it's still a lot, you know. And I just left a training session with my guest today, and a lot of times we're coming into our training thinking that we want to get our butt kicked. Like we, we really have to have the experience of just getting beat up to know that we have gotten a good workout. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, we're really looking at training not just our muscles, but also our nervous system, also our endocrine system. All of the, these things matter in the grand scheme of things. And so he told me beforehand and he, we were just kind of talking over to the side because it was part of a class, you know, so I was hanging out with a lot of other folks as well. But, you know, I'm really I'm kind of competitive. I like to do things at a high level. I like to go 120, you know, and he was just like, you know, Sean, I know you've been through a lot this week. I had a you know, photo shoot, uh, multiple interviews, birthdays, uh, program launch, speaking on multiple stages and traveling, you know, and uh, it was a lot. And so he just reminded me that, you know, let's just let's let's leave this workout feeling good. That's really the goal, you know, and so dial it back in. But here's the thing. So we were doing kettlebell swings combined with uphill sprints. All right. But we were doing these at different degrees with the sprints as far as our acceleration. So it wasn't something where you had to blatantly just kick your own butt. Uh, but there can be a draw to. And so we were do, going through the sprints and everything is going well. And there's this guy and uh, he shall remain nameless, but he's a great guy. And he he was, you know, doing a sprint and he he saw me in his in his uh, in his blind spot a little bit, you know, right there on his heels. And I guess he's the fast guy at the San Francisco CrossFit, all right? And so I'm basically running him down and I'm not even trying, all right? And I'm going 120. And so I could have competed with him, but I was keeping it in my mind, like, Sean, listen to Kelly, dial it back in. Like your body's a little bit disorganized. You've been doing a lot of stuff. You've been traveling a lot. Just keep it cool. And so we went back, we did the next set of kettlebell swings. And this guy, usually he would just take right off from the kettlebell swings. This time he was waiting on me. Like he was lingering, waiting for me to get down with my kettlebell swing so he could compete with me. He was trying to bait me in, but he didn't get me, all right? I just kind of stood back, I hung back and just let him go do his thing. And then I did mine, I just went, you know, kind of 80, 85%. So moral of the story is do what's right for your body right now. You know, every time you work out, this doesn't mean you have to, you know, uh, go 120% and kick your own butt or, or allow your trainer to do that. You know, we need to be working more intelligently. It's not just about working harder, it's working smarter. And we've said this many times. And today I really felt great after I left and that was the goal. And so I'm really happy about that. But it takes somebody at that high level of thinking and communication like our guest today to get somebody like myself to dial it back. And so I'm really grateful to have him on and to talk to him. But listen, beforehand, again, I knew I needed a little bit of little extra jolt in my system. I always, always travel with my Four Sigmatic. 
uh, my medicinal mushrooms, my, my packs, my mushroom coffee, and also my reishi elixir. There's a great to help you sleep. And so before the workout, I had my mushroom coffee. Listen to this. So first of all, coffee, all right? First of all, coffee. For years, for years, I didn't drink coffee. I was a, when I, when I last had it, I was a child and I was just like, I'll never have this again. It was a terrible experience. And I made a decision when I was like five, but my wife kept going on and on about this Four Sigmatic coffee. And just one day I tried it and it really, really spoke to me. And so the big benefit, first of all, this is organic. It's not a cup of pesticides and herbicides and rodenticides along with the coffee, you know? So you're getting that little bit of caffeine and here, check this out. Because a lot of people, caffeine is included in a lot of different products today as far as training, and this is why. There's a study that was done that found that caffeine can increase the metabolic rate by about 3 to 11%. This was a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And the increase in the metabolism was caused by an increase in the burning of fat. So caffeine does directly trigger your body to burn more fat. Now, we don't know the state of health of these folks in the study. Maybe you need to be balanced with your endocrine system, not be under heavy stress. I don't know. But in general, this can be something safe if you're not using it as a Band-Aid solution to burn fat or to have more energy because there's a balance there. And so now here's the thing, too, with the caffeine. There's dirty caffeine. All right. That dirty. There's not a lot of things that have the word dirty associated with it. That's good. It's like dirty clothes, dirty mind. Right. Well, maybe that could be good. But dirty looks. If somebody gives you a dirty look. That's not good. We don't want that dirty caffeine. All right? We want the good stuff. All right. So first of all, I start with that. And also because it is a medicinal mushroom coffee, the formula that I had because I was going to be training was cordyceps. And here's why. The study published in Medicine and Science and Sports and Exercise tested 30 healthy athletes for six weeks to record the effects of cordyceps on their performance. The group that added cordyceps to their daily regimen had twice the oxygen uptake of the control group. So they're literally assimilating and utilizing oxygen more efficiently. Now this oxygen is essential for supplying nutrients to the muscles, preventing fatigue, and preventing the buildup of lactate, all right? And another study by the same group showed a 9% increase in aerobic activity from taking cordyceps. That is substantial, right? That's that one to 5% difference in your performance. So why cordyceps is one of my favorite things. I've been utilizing cordyceps for literally probably about 12 years now. And it wasn't until I found out about dual extraction that everything changed because I would buy tinctures, which is an alcohol extract to get certain compounds. Then I'd buy hot water extracts from different companies, spending a lot of money and not really getting something that even worked necessarily how I wanted it to because it did, it was incomplete, you know, and trying to combine it together. Four Sigmatic does a dual extraction. So you're getting every, because we don't know what it is about the cordyceps, the extraction method that they use in this study. By getting a dual extraction, you're ensuring you're getting everything from the mushroom. And that's what's so important. And so make sure to check them out and utilize it. I think you're going to love it. I have my uh, my cup of coffee with, I love it with emulsified MCT oil, uh, maybe a little bit of grass-fed butter, maybe some unsweetened almond milk. Uh, maybe a couple drops of English toffee stevia, maybe a little cinnamon. You get fancy. All right, but make sure to check them out. Foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled Changing My Life One Listen at a Time by D4374. I discovered you by family member who listens to your podcast religiously. 
A simple forward of an episode had me hooked. You're relatable and wise. I love how you break down facts of the topic you're covering. You load your audience with wisdom and knowledge, and you do this with grace. Since listening to your podcast, I have become more aware of what I put into my body, and I've also discovered the key to success, routine and discipline. I'm becoming my best self one listen at a time, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. The routine and discipline. And I love that word discipline. It can have a negative connotation, but it really means being a disciple, you know, being a disciple of yourself and your greatness. And disciplines can create uh, actually more freedom, funny enough. And so, wow, what a great message. And thank you so much. I appreciate you immensely. Uh, If you've yet to do so, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. All right. I appreciate that. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and the topic of the day. Our guest today is the amazing, the incredible, the one and only Dr. Kelly Starrett. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's written books such as Supple Leopard. All right, Supple Leopard. He's a doctor of physical therapy and just one of the smartest people that I've ever met. And he's also one of the best humans I've ever met. Uh, Extremely caring, extremely uh, considerate and compassionate, and he knows his stuff. All right, he's he he gets stuff done. He executes, and he helps a lot of people. And what's so exciting about it is that he's also created something far before a lot of other folks when he started his vlog. All right, he's got a vlog called Mobility Wide or the Mobility Workout of the Day. I think it's it's getting close to ten years. It's been going on YouTube. Back the first one's probably a little grainy, but you know it's just been such a a catalog and library for learning for folks, for uh, preventing injuries, for rehabilitating, for just being better movers. And I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, my friend, Dr. Kelly Starrett. What's going on, man? Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, man. We just had a little almost incident in the studio. No, negative. All right. Travel with my own ninja. Light was going down. This huge light was going down. It was about to smack the floor, potentially bust. And you got your guy here, all right? And it proved to me that CrossFit does work. He grabbed the light with three fingers. The pole had coffee in his hand. A tiny espresso didn't drop a, a single drip. It was amazing. He knows when his job would be on the line if he spilled that coffee. He's like, <laughs> Nathan is our director of production. But also, you know, he. I think the greater question is, we know all modalities work, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but if you want to, if you want to, what do the doctors say? If you want good patients, if you want good outcomes, choose good patients, mm, right? If you want to yeah. good have, and we see this in a lot of sports. If you want to have good outcomes with your program, choose pe- people who are already all Americans. That mm. always is a useful, right? That that makes sense. I'm like, dude, that guy's been spinning lately and just doing Zumba. I'm like, I don't know, but Zumba makes uh, super <laughs> athletes. But he grabbed that with the Vulcan death grip and just, it was beautiful, man. It was really remarkable. So. Listen, I had the opportunity to hang out with you today to train at at your gym, which is such a great gift and pleasure. And you had us doing some really interesting stuff. But you told me beforehand, he's like, Sean, you've been on the road, you've been traveling, you've been doing this and that. What did you why did you tell me to to kind of just take it easy? The first thing that happens anytime we have people, we have athletes come and we're just dropping in. One of the things that we really appreciate is that we want our athlete friends to come and you this is our model. You show up at your friend's house, you eat their cooking. 
right? Hmm. So it doesn't matter what precious program you're on. If your friend's like, hey, we're, we're riding, we're going to go run a 10K, you're like, oh, that's going to suck, but okay. Hmm. You need to be ready for anything, especially being vulnerable in front of your friends who are really good coaches, really good athletes. Because you kind of like, if I was like, what do you want to do today? You'd be like, we're going to do speed ropes. You're going to show me your like five parlor tricks that you rule. But that's it. I, I think just showing up and being vulnerable and, and exposing yourself is the goal. Comma, the other goal is as a coach friend is to be like, look, I know you're sleep deprived, working hard, trashed. The goal is not to be heroic, but the goal is to, hey, go have a moving practice, leave feeling better. Yeah. And it's okay to train like that. And Absolutely. so, you know, we sometimes have to take our friends with big engines and be like, be cool, be cool. Yeah. I want and you to come out here without, you know, being sore, you know, so right. sore that your wife is pissed that you can't go for a hike. Right, right. Or potentially injuring myself. You or know? tweaking yourself. Yeah. Right? Or not having fun. Yeah. You know, so we just we just try to take the ego out of it right away. Yeah. Right? And then thank you for that. And it can be difficult. You know, like oh, I told really you. it's really difficult. If this was a year or two ago, you know, I might not have listened to that advice. But I did. And today, um, we had we had a really interesting combination of things that we did. We did kettlebell swings and went right to some sprints uphill. And by the way, first of all, the San Francisco Hills. All right? I got an issue with this. Like, I've never seen such things. <laughs> People are walking. First of all... I haven't seen anybody in this city that doesn't have really great legs. All right, we strong legs. Calves. Strong it's calves. A, it's a prerequisite. You know, if you want to move here, it's like, do you have strong legs? First, check that box. One of these our, hills are crazy. One of our friends is a world record holder, a world champion in mountain biking. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna here at a Red Bull event. I'll just pop over the hill, and we're like, oh, okay. And she, she's like, I just got a little rental bike. So she was on like some rental with like three gears. And she was like, oh my God, it's a good thing I'm a world champion mountain biker. Otherwise I wouldn't have made it here. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, like it's man. legit. So, you know, the, the hill. So one of the things we try to do is, you know, try to prepare our people yeah. for the rigors of their daily lives, which means, you know, you're going to have to get up the hill quick. Yeah. those. So I'm seeing people walking up hills, looking like the Michael Jackson, Annie, are you okay, right? He's doing that. And then coming down, it's like the Matrix, right? It's, it totally it's is. so crazy to see this. And you, you brought a coat, didn't you? Because it's August. I didn't. I, I had no idea. The nuclear winter. You know, I'm out here a little nip-nip, man, a little nippy. We, uh, well, the, the good news is it's always 55. In the yeah. summer, in the winter, it's always 55. Yeah. And uh, so it's great training weather, but you can definitely, I mean, you got this cute little pastel on, you know, you're, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to look good. I'm in California. This is yeah. going to be, we have seen a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, forget about it. So the, the workout that we did today, uh, the kettlebell swings with the sprints, but you were also telling us to, you uh, was t walk, walking us through accelerations and also deceleration. So why did you have us do that specific thing today? So this, this class that you dropped in on is our skilled conditioning class, which I teach. Mm -hmm. You can come off the street. It's one of the only classes where you can come into our training facility and come off the street and train, right? I'm coaching it, but it's really a laboratory for me to say, how do I create a physical practice for moms and dads and athletes that isn't the end all be all by itself, yeah. right? Try not to be all things to all people in that moment. We're just saying, hey, look, let's use this hour to restore your positions let's use this hour to work on skills as a side effect we'll probably be a little fitter a little stronger but you should feel good that you could go leave here and actually do a sport in the fitness world we've taken this golden hour of fitness training and tried to give it the like it's everything you know like the spin instructor's like leave it on the floor and you're like but i have to go work or right. do some work or play play some game later or or compete or train right 
So one of the things we're trying to do is is create an, an environment where we can rebuild and reclaim fundamental skills. And one of those skills that we have to talk about is running well. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is some somehow, maybe in your 20s, you stop sprinting. You stop running fast. Yeah. What you do is, you maybe if you're playing basketball, you sprint. You're playing some frisbee, some ultimate, you sprint. But otherwise, sprinting becomes not the language that's around. And then you go sprint one day and you get killed, right? Yeah. You pull a hammy. It's like if you're a middle-aged guy, sprinting is like the most dangerous thing you can do because the end ranges and the forces involved, right? And you just haven't exposed your tissues. So if moving this group, particularly this group, I have a lot of triathletes in there. I've, we had some pro triathletes with us and, and triathlete coaches and trying to get them out of that gear, that low, slow gear, mm-hmm. right, of like, let's go run a 5K, run a 10K, you know, the, let's go run a, a marathon, and just to feel what it's like to just change tempo a little bit. So putting that, we run the hill because it controls a range of motion, but then we spent a lot of time getting really warmed up and prepped so that people could just feel the acceleration a little bit. What's it look like to sprint a little faster? Because sprinting is running fast is the thing that makes us human. Yeah, absolutely. Our genes expect us to do it. And, and like your you body, said, your physiology expects us to yeah. do it. Yeah, and um, if we really look at it, it's like you said, when we're younger, this is like built into the system, but as we grow older, so it's kind of associated with youth. And funny enough, you produce more human growth hormone when you're doing sprints versus the, the long, slow cardio. We're seeing, you know, What's really interesting right now is we're having this conversation where we can begin to see the 30,000-foot view. And something I've been talking about a lot lately is um, it's an analogy that one of our friends comes up with. Um, her name's Katie Bowman. Yeah, she's a movement her. spe- She's brilliant. And she, in her book, she talks about, and it's a, it's a concept that we're seeing a lot in physio right now, which is called mechanotransduction. We might have talked about this last time with the orca fin. Do you remember this? Yeah, we've talked about it Okay, before. so it's the orca, right? Yeah. So you put an orca in captivity, that fin becomes, it starts to fold over yeah. because you've changed the environment of the orca and the orca isn't loading the fin through hunting and swimming and forces. And so subsequently you see breakdowns in the tissues. So what's happening now, I think, and feeling is that the environment has 180 underneath us. The access to easy calories, the, the stresses from work, the amount of time we're having to commute and the kind of work we're doing, just mm-hmm. we, these computers have changed our lives, but right. you tend to do them in these stationary environments, right? Yeah. I, I'm not saying we should go back to working in factories, but what I am saying is that, hey, we're not doing the things that fundamentally unite us and express our physiology. So what you're talking about is you have to load, you have to sleep, you have to do these things. So then when you come into a, a, a movement practice, the real question is, are you beginning to regularly expose yourself to these full ranges of motion? Mm-hmm. Are you exposing yourself to these pieces so that you're sort of inoculated and you get your RDA, you know, for lack of a better word? Yeah. You know, that 10,000 steps, I mean, that's like, that's the minimum so you don't get rickets. You know, I mean, that's the minimum right. so you don't get scurvy. That's, okay. that's how low the bar is. What we're finding is that most people just aren't even coming close. And I don't think it's not their, I think it's not their fault. I think it's that we have, you know, we were talking before, just going to the Instagram, it's very confusing right now. And it looks like super high intensity. It looks like tons of, I mean, if I don't have six or seven hours to exercise, I'm a a failure. Right. You know, if I don't do food prep, I'm a failure. If you don't have the nine pack. (laughs) Well, yeah. Batman has the nine pack. That's right. That's right. So... You know, what, what I think is we can get really back to these unsexy, simple pieces. And there are a lot of roads that lead to Rome. But as long as we, I know I've been picking on Zumba lately, but, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with a, the head of an organization that teaches a lot of Zumba in, as part of their fitness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, Zumba is not good fitness. And she was like, whoa, let's find. 
right, you know? And I was mm. like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Zumba does a lot of things right. You get some unconditional positive regard. Maybe the only time in the day where someone said, great job. Like, yes. You look amazing. That was yes. fun. You're grinning your face off. You sweated. You mirrored. You danced. There's rhythm. You loaded through the long bones. Because it turns out, as we were talking about, all the things that happen during sprinting, if you don't load your long bones of your femurs, you actually can't control food impulse. Mm. Like part of the the whole fat utilization is driven by some of the hormone released by loading your femurs. Mm. And how do you load your femurs? Well, you squat and you jump and you walk and you run and you have to load. So if you're not loading your femurs, guess what? The whole system just doesn't work. It's interesting that our brains are tied into the physicality. Yeah. And likewise, our physicality is tied into our brains. So this woman, you know, was saying, you know, she's like, what do you think, fit, you know, it's not legit. I was like, well, I don't know, did you get your heart rate up to 190? Can you go to the Olympics and do Zumba? You know, I'm like, are you, are you carrying loads? And, you know, and what ends up happening is you realize that Zumba does 15 things better than almost any other class, right? Or any other group, right? But full range of motion, no. High heart rates, no. Right? Loading, no. Sprinting, no. Right? But it doesn't mean that it can't be part of the practice. Right. And so I think what's what's happened is we've drawn basically gang affiliations around our tribes, these yeah. lazy tribes, because we don't have a tribe anymore. So my tribe is CrossFit. My tribe is Olympic lifting. My tribe is Zumba, you know. Yeah. And it's easy to be there. Instead of saying, hey, look, what are the inputs that we need to be 100 years old? Have you read... Um, uh, Sapiens. Did you read that book I yet? Not, no. So if I don't know if you guys, um, Yuval Harari, and uh, if you, uh, everyone read Sapiens. It's a brief history of humans, and you're going to be like, oh, this is a harsh reality. But his next book is called Homo Deus, and he's trying to project where we're going based on our current culture, mm -hmm. our the AI things like this. And what you realize is like, you know, hey, we used to have a few things we had to deal with. We had to deal with starvation. You know, and now really famine is a is a political choice. We have enough food to feed everyone. We don't don't get it there, right? War is a political choice, right? Yeah. People aren't coming down the valley to take our sheep, and then disease largely is. I mean, I'm trying not to. This is his words, but you know, hey, we've managed some of the big diseases that wiped us out, and there's still diseases a real problem and still not equitable. But the big things that kept us from thriving as humans, we've gotten a good grip on. Not the best, but a good grip. Yeah. So he's like, okay, so you're going to be 100, 110. So what's interesting about that is you start to change your, what your definitions of happiness are or what's the goal of my life if I don't have to overcome this immediate thing. But for us also, if I believe we're going to be 100 years old, I need to think differently about my sleep and stress. And currently in physical therapy, there's this idea that you don't have to be like posture doesn't matter. They're like, oh, it's just an expression. Don't be a posture, please. <laughs> right. And if you take the word posture and substitute spinal mechanics, then what you're saying is spinal mechanics don't matter. And I'm like, okay, so there's no research truly to show that poor posture causes pain. But we're not talking about pain. We're talking about function. Yeah. Right. So if I'm in a crappy position, my shoulders don't work well. I can't take a big breath. My pelvic floor doesn't work. And so I can function. But the real question for us is, hey, what shapes translate better to f reclaiming normal function of the human being? And then secondarily, we can start to say, well, how am I trained that function for the next 50 or 60 or 70 years? Because the problem is we haven't run these experiments of our current generation. We don't know what the outcomes are gonna be like because we haven't seen it yet. You know, and I think so when you come back to first principles, this is why your book is so important because sleeping is a first principle. 
interpersonal relationships and meeting relationships are first principles. You cannot get away from that. You need a tribe. Yeah. So if you don't have the church, if you don't have a workout group, you need to go find a tribe. You need to go have those meaningful interactions. And so suddenly when we start dropping those things back in, then it's an issue of, well, how much running do I need to do? Some. Right? How much lifting I need? I don't know. Some. Yeah. And then it's okay to have like specialists. I really, you know, my friends really like to lift. Great, you can lift, but you better be able to run a little bit, and you better be able to touch your toes, and you know, do these other things, and still eat like yeah. a human. And I don't think we've done a good job of just laying it out for people of saying, keep it simple, be consistent, yeah. see you in a decade. Yeah, being fully human—that's that's hard. Really it's hard remarkable. work. And the problem is not that we're not smart enough, but we all come from somewhere, or no one has ever said it was important. Yeah. You know, yeah. go to a food desert in New York, where there is no fresh vegetable, the bodega is your only source, and tell me you can make a good decision. You can't, you know, and I. So I think we ha really have to err for us until you know this is the vow of the Bodhisattva. It sounds so cheesy, but like until we have solved it and given people a choice to opt out, the error is still ours. Yeah, right. That's we still have so much work to do. A lot of people see you and they they think about the physical aspect. You know, you being a physical therapist and somebody who works with the body, somebody who coaches other people uh, along with their fitness. But you said something earlier about, you know, with folks going to a Zimba class and that's the only time they get that positive regard or, you know, somebody telling them great job. And that really struck me. Why do you think that matters so much? You know, if you pin me down, you know, what's most important? People are most important. That's it. So I'm completely agnostic about how you get there. But we got to, you know, in today, more than ever, I believe in communitarianism. Like, want to change the world? Do you know all your neighbors? Have you, have you met them? Have you shaken hands? Like we drag up and down the street. We, all the kids come to our house in our little neighborhood. There are like 10 families on our mile street we live on. And on Fridays, Friday mornings during school, we all push the start time back. Everyone comes over in ice and heats. We, everyone jumps in the sauna. Everyone jumps in the ice tank and we call it church. Mm -hmm. And then we also do the same thing. We have an optional one on Sunday and one of the things we've done is just create an opportunity to belong to each other. We don't need context. There's just a ritual around showing up and being together. And the same thing is true with all my training partners, right? So what is happening when you show up to a class, you people expect to see you there, you belong. Like I, I think Peloton is amazing, right? And one of the reasons it's amazing is that you get to drop in to a class in like we've reduced all the barriers to adherence like oh you can't make it to a class oh like here's your bike and you can go spin with michelle obama right mm -hmm. right there i mean like mm -hmm. you can be in that class in a virtual network but it's not the same thing yeah. it's not the same thing as me looking you in the eye and you know talking and seeing how you're feeling and how you're moving and interacting and all that that touch in a way that isn't also t attached to you know just uh the functionality of being human you know like cooking, you can see why Michael Pollan got into cooking, because when we all cook, it slows everyone down, everyone's around there, everyone's contributing, you know, and you can see why kids fundamentally that grow up in communities where they eat dinner together with their family, their eating habits are better, mm -hmm. their socialization is better, they don't, they don't do shady stuff, right? And some of that is just, all you have to do is say, we're having dinner at seven, be here at seven, right? And what, I, what we're always looking about now, because it's so easy to get so in the weeds on sophistication, saying, how do I set up my environment so I don't have to make another choice? So my lowest form of this is if there are cookies in the house, I will eat all the cookies. 
and I'll wake up at two in the morning because I'm hot or I hear something and my brain will be like, hey, there's cookies in the house. And literally last night yeah, I woke yeah, up because yeah. I was hot and there was something up and I was like, there are no cookies in the house. <laughs> and so I had some milk, <laughs> right? And I was like, damn, no cookies. <laughs> and I literally was like, if there were cookies, I would have eaten all the cookies. Yeah. But there was no cookies, so I didn't have cookies. So what ends up happening, I think, is when we can, we have a, we have a walking school bus, right? We, we kids, people drop their kids off on the corner. We walk about 20 kids to school every day. And for us, it's an easy way to get my kids to walk. We're scheduled. We walk a 5K basically before we even start the day, right? And so looking for places where I don't have to make another just choice or decision, or I don't have to be motivated. And you know, who was interesting was talking about this was Jocko Willink recently. And if you're not, haven't listened to Jocko, um, Jocko is a friend of ours and, and just the caveat that he's my wife is not going to love Jocko the way I love Jocko, right? But he's like, hey, look, you can't rely always on motivation. And it's it's important that you have enthusiastic friends who are stoked and can carry you. That's vital. But the other thing is, he's like, you got to rely on discipline. And when, when you hear the word discipline, think habit. Think, I don't make another choice, you know? If I bring a salad for lunch, guess what I eat for lunch? Salad. You know what I mean? If I bring, you know, if I don't have lunch, I'm going to be scrambling around and I'll eat whatever's handy. And so this means that we can begin to think about our environment entirely differently about first principles, you know, and I think that that starts to matter more. And then and then you can really begin to wrap your head around what the, you know, tuning the knobs up and tuning the knobs down based on what you have in the day, what you can control. But I really, in Marin right now, we're seeing adults are drinking upwards of a lot of wine. Like we used to be the healthiest county in California mm -hmm. and now the adult binge drinking has knocked us off and let me say that again adult binge drinking so mm -hmm. when I hear the word that what I'm thinking is wow I have suddenly have people who aren't critically poor for the first time in their lives and aren't struggling to pay off student loan debts and and they can afford alcohol and usually this is wine but also there are people who are in their mid 40s and 50s who are as stressed as human beings can be because they're all good at their jobs now they all have kids they're all having huge you know mortgages and worried about retirement, worried about college, and they're trying to really figure it out. And so the binge drinking is really a symptom of self-medication because I don't, I didn't accumulate enough time during the day to exercise or move, so my stress is high, I'm not fatigued. And what we found is some of our friends were drinking two bottles of wine a night to go to sleep. Wow. And this takes the edge off. So wow. now what you're saying is, hey, that's not me, but substitute THC for alcohol, substitute, uh, porn for and what you're seeing is that you're seeing that, that we have a lot of things that are really wired for our brains mm -hmm. and suddenly it's easy to get in with, without even opening the porn door it's easy to get into understanding that all of these things affect us at this biochemical level which is what you understand food is the first drug right it is the easiest and first drug mm -hmm. exercise i think i am a little add I discovered early on that I could self-medicate with exercise and movement. My desire to train is like 98th percentile. Like I'm like, want to move, want to move, want to move. And I, f I had five generations of alcoholics in my family. Mm. My father was estranged, alcoholic. You know, he was the great Santini. My dad was like captain of the football team in college and flew jets in the Air Force and rah, right? But no relationship with me because his dad was a disaster, yeah. and, right? And his and my great-grandfather was an Irish cop in Seattle, right? And so what you suddenly see is that, wow, we're wired for this anxiety. And my dad got in between his alcoholic grandfather, alcoholic father and my grandmother, and that set up all kinds of anxiety for him. And how did he manage and cope? Drinking, right? Yeah. And so... I'm lucky that I, I got off this, but what you can certainly see now is that people are struggling 
and we're, we have all the access to the, the caffeine. So now we're on this alcohol depressant stimulant depressant cycle. Right. We get out of our rhythms. We don't have meaningful relationships. Why? Because there's no time, right? There's no mm -hmm. time to hang out and bro out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start to see a human being sort of kind of pull apart the edges a little bit. And what we're going to, I think now in the health, fitness, strength conditioning, Zumba worlds, we have a chance to have the same conversation. And it's going to need all of us speaking with different affects, different tones, different styles. We'll all meet in the middle. Yeah. We've got to open up the Scrabble board. The Scrabble board right now, people are playing this little tiny corner in the middle. Where do I place my X? Where do I get my little money? And they're not playing this long game. Yeah. And all my friends who are really successful right now are playing this huge game and open up the board. We have to bring more people to the table. And I'm afraid we're going to have to write off a generation of people. That's what I'm afraid of. Wow. Wow. So many huge insights there. No, that's powerful. Hey, man. we have more I'm thinking. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about just changing the game, period. You know, play a little shoots and ladders. You know, like let's change the game up. <laughs> but listen, man, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, and I want to take a step back because it's so fascinating, the ice and heat, church. Let's talk about why do you do that? Well, you know, we were talking about, you, you were saying earlier, you know, one of the things that we're not doing a good job of is just being bored, right? Like we, we, we have times where every phone goes away in our house. Like we just were like, look, it's eight o'clock, phones are up, everyone's got a phone plugged in, you just gotta get off the phone, no phones in the bedroom. And part of that is so you can pay attention. So my, we've, for my kids, for example, we've, we go out to dinner and they're like, wow, everyone's on their phone. And, we're, and they now are aware. And what ends up happening is they, people watch, and they pay attention, right? It's okay to be bored. It's okay to be, to lose your, you know, your connection and not always be diving back in. And what we've, what we've figured out is the heat is a great way of forcing us to shut down at night. So we get into the sauna. We have, we're lucky that we have a sauna in our backyard. You can get them at Costco and uh, you get yourself really hot. And I don't care who you are, like get yourself really hot for 20 or 30 minutes. You're going to fall asleep. It's going to break you. And so what we found is that in our lives, because right now, Juliet and I are sort of peak stress. I mean, let's like we have two daughters. One's at the end of middle school. One's at the end of, of elementary school. We've got these businesses. We're now, we have a chip in the game. Like we're, we're actually good enough at our jobs. We can actually be useful, right? <laughs> we're not just in startup mode. And um, which means that we're running when the, when, when, the, when the clock goes off at, you know, quarter to six, we're flying. And one of the things that we found out is that if we got ourselves hot, we slept better. We forced to shut down. And my wife and I, most nights, end up sitting in a dark lit room talking with no distractions. And it's so hot, we're going to die. And you know what I mean? So we've, we've put in these little places where we can slow down. And on those days where I don't heat, you know, you know, usually I, I, you know, I'm also lucky I have a hot tub and I sit in the hot tub by myself. My wife goes in, starts to read or, or goes to sleep. And I hate 20 minutes of just spacing out. And I really try to put that into my life because I need places to think. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, if you're, if, and this is, we were talking about this earlier because we're in this beautiful studio right now. And if you think you need a beautiful studio to be able to have conversations to put out in the world, mm. that's the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Start the conversation first. But what we're, what we're feeling now is, man, you need place to think. And in a busy life, when do you have time to think? So you're going to have to create spaces where that automatically starts to happen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that could be talked, exercise. We talked about this with Cal Newport, and we'll put that episode in the show notes, Deep Work. And he talked about how our brain associates every time we're bored and we go for novel stimuli. So your brain starts to associate boredom stimuli, boredom stimuli. Instead of really exercising those faculties to think and to use your brain, which is a crazy thing that we've been talking about this, but our brains in a way are 
devolving. And uh, it's, it's yeah, a really Devo, interesting, right? it's an interesting time to be alive right now because we, we have this access to everything. You know, I just realized something the other day. It's, it's been a long time since like, even when my wife and I are talking and we just kind of think of something, we're trying to figure out, do you remember that thing? You just Google it. We have every answer. We really don't even have to think about it. How many it. phone numbers do you have memorized? Like two. Yeah. You know, and it's it is what it is. You know, my parents and the Chinese restaurant that just went out of business, like, <laughs> and I know Juliet's and also the pizza place from when I was <laughs> like ten. Right, you know, right. I remember the Alicia's pizza. Not amazing. You just lost yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I um, you know, these uh, look, I, technology has made our lives better, but it's confusing, and we're gonna have to figure out how do we put it in. And what what would I want to make sure is that we're not we're not being luddites, but for example. You know, the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation found out that kids like 10 to 18 were spending basically 11 hours a day in front of a screen. And that was independent of socioeconomic status. So some iPad, some television, some Netflix, something. And fundamentally, we were like, okay, so maybe that's, that's not the way our brains are worked. Even for the way our eyes work, how much movement we're getting. But look at the associated environmental sort of, if we aggregate some of the, the behaviors around that, that really changes things. Like just look at your shape, your shrimp shape, you know, and just, you mm -hmm. cannot sit in a great position because it's too difficult. So what we're gonna need to do is think differently about how we configure the environment to protect us from these things. And we're clever enough to say, well, hey, let's let's give ourselves more movement options. Let's sit on the floor. Let's be at a moving standing workstation. And it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to be a ninja. If you sit down, your, your spine's not gonna explode. But the real question is, if we look at these behaviors over the long time, how do we know if we're losing capacity how are these things changing us? And I think that's really where we can start to think about. If we look at obesity in America, it's really unchecked. We're not doing a good job. We're part of a, a teen lift group. This is an incredible organization of some coaches and um, some really brilliant physicians who are trying to get ahead of childhood morbidity. So there's morbidly obese teens, and now there's a new category called super morbidly obese teenagers. Mm -hmm. And which means it is not their fault. We have failed these kids. These kids are perfect products and perfect expressions of the system, mm -hmm. right? You just hook the brain on all of this novel stimuli and look what happens. Right. So, you know, if we give ourselves a grade, well, how are we doing on ACL injury rates in women? Not good. How are we doing on low back pain in America? Not good. How are we doing on, you know, anything that matters? And suddenly we're going to say, okay, well, maybe was it in what part of the environment? And sleep is one of those first things. We were talking about today, you know, in the mobility confessions, you know, if you, we, we, have, we have friends who have anxious teens and we say, well, okay, well, I appreciate you're doing all these things. You're unwrapping is complex. We're psycho-emotional human beings and there are a lot of behaviors. How much does your teen sleep? You know, and then I'm like, well, let's just control what we can control. So where I'm doing a lot of my thinking right now is in this complexity theory. And so the problem is that there's no more complex system than the human physiology, right? But at some point we can begin to control what we can control. And the way we think about it, and I think this is useful for people, is to say it's about capacity. It's about function. So don't worry about pain or no pain. Worry about, hey, am I losing my function or not? And then I can say, hey, I can still do this behavior, but I'm willing to make the concession to my loss of function, my loss of mm. capacity. So 
you know, and, and that maybe is going to matter for you when you want to get back on the bike, right? Or do a triathlon or run or take a breath or have your pelvic floor work. But if you're down for loss of compact, if you're down for your brain not functioning as well, if you're down for your neuroendocrine axis to get thrown out of whack and become insulin sensitive, you may not be down for that when you're 60 and 70 and you need that function. I mean, yeah. just on the walk home today, Juliet was like, you know, I don't think maybe even we're that fit for now. I think we're being fit because we're going to be 70 someday and this is all mm. insurance. Wow. Yeah. So I think you can you can be playing running multiple baselines at the same time. You know, you can do well, you can do good, you can have bottom lines that are multiples. But really I think we're it's hard for us to have enough context in and then especially when people are trying to sell you stuff and they're trying to get your yeah. attention on Instagram and you just see a snapshot and you're like, "Oh, that those guys are fools and I'm the man and yeah. she's trying, you know, that's I've got the nine pack. It's hard. And then if you're <laughs> All of us, we're deep users. Like yeah. we, we can kind of see through the veils of crap and not crap. We start to see the principles. But for my mom coming in, my aunts coming in, my friends who you know are exercising at our house this morning, we have about a crew of like ten people who come and train at the Star at Home Health Center, and you know just in our neighborhood. And they're just they're like, I don't understand. I walk every day. You know, I my blood panels a disaster. Look at my skin. Yeah. I've gained fifty pounds. What I don't understand. And it really is confusing for people. Absolutely. And it just goes back to those fundamental human things, you know, like you said, the sleep and being able to downregulate. And by the way, when you er mentioned earlier about the heat in the evening, so there's this process humans go through called it's thermoregulation. So it's a natural drop in our core body temperature to facilitate great sleep. And when you get yourself warm, you know, in the evening, maybe an hour, 30 minutes before bed, your core temperature goes even lower than it naturally would. So it drops down, it's kind of a rebound effect, you know, so it does in fact help you to downregulate and improve your sleep. I will really say cool. that if you go to bed freakishly hot, let me know how that goes for you. That's not great. <laughs> You're not gonna, you know, that's why my wife and I have two fans on and I sleep on this thing called a chili, the chili pad. pad. You yeah, told me about it. it. You know, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, when it's really hot, um, I go get cold as I can before I go to bed. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. There's so many things I wanna ask you about. Actually, I've got one more question for you. When we were doing the sprints today, you were having folks to focus on breathing differently. What was that all about? Once again, um, if in this hour, so if we back up and say, look at all the good work done by so many good thinkers right now. You've got PRI, you've got XPT, you've got all these incredible, Brian McKenzie, Art of Breath, like you look around, look what Brett Bartholomew's doing, look at all these people, and they have incredible thinking. How do I integrate that into an hour so that I'm not adding on and adding on and software that's called a kluge where I have a big chunky piece of software that works and then I just keep bootstrapping on things and what ends up happening is you you don't have an integrated system so what we really struggle with is to say look I got if I get people to come to my gym three times a week to train how am I putting restoration of movement practice how am I forcing them to think differently about breathing and down regulation so when we just said hey during after on the recoveries you just as soon as you can breathe only through your nose what I did was get you a little more sensitive to high co2s right so I'm building co2 tolerance but one of the other things for me which I, I don't care about the hemodynamics what I care about is the mechanics so there's only one way to breathe well through your nose that's powerfully that's effectively you initiate through your diaphragm and so all of a sudden if you look at the breathing postures yeah. that people are engaged in walking down everyone's chest is up yep. everyone's working hard to get caught up and so we just look at where do I constrain the system a little bit so that I have better outcomes over and over and over again awesome you know how just look we just trick ourselves we're smart trick yourself yeah. like if you really have an addiction to your phone which we all do right just let your phone die 
turn it off <laughs> turn it off put it in the drawer then when you need it turn it back on right and just make it hard for yeah. yourself to do the wrong thing and i think that's that's really has helped me massively is make i make it hard for myself to do the wrong thing kelly you are an absolute superhero and, uh, so fun to have you. Can you guys come to San Francisco? Just bring a coat next time. <laughs> yeah. So just thank you so much for being who you are. And can you let everybody know where to connect with where to connect with you? And also, you got something new that's available for people right now. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. We are at Mobility Wad W O D as in workout of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just if you just stumble on Kelly Starrett R R E T T, you'll you'll run in. But um, on, we just published our first book ourselves. So this is our fifth release. But we believe that there we have so many friends who have these stories and things that need to get out, and self-publishing is a possibility. So we we got out of the traditional publishing game, and there's times for traditional publishing certainly. And mm-hmm. my we are so grateful for our publishing friends. But we just published this book, Snout to Tail Ourselves. It comes out September 5th. It's about paddling. My wife and I are professional boaters, so we're professional paddlers. So we, we gave a love letter, Waterman 2.0, September 5th. I'm really excited about it. It's a love letter to my community. But uh, we also have been working on um, a radio project, for lack of a better word, a podcast, and it's called The Ready State. And instead of trying to do anything like our brilliant friends are doing, what we ended up doing was create a little season around an idea. And so our last eight or nine episodes are all about pain and the complex nature of pain. And we have interviews with the Amelia Earhart of training the first ever woman trainer in professional sports, Sue Falzoni. We've got, I forget, Laird Hamilton's on there um, talking about his relationship with pain. We've got George St. Pierre, the fighter, talking about his pain. Like pretty incredible group of people um, talking about the different aspects and relationships and the complexity of how we think as modern humans around pain. And then we just drop it all at once so you can binge and then go away and come back to your regular podcast and this next season is going to be about kids perfect and people yeah. can check that out where well it's everywhere if you can see it on our site but it's on stitcher it's on uh itunes Apple, it's called yeah. the ready state perfect my man thank Dr. you so Kelly much Starrett. thank you man always a pleasure everybody thank you so much for tuning into this episode today i hope you got a lot of value out of this listen this really brings to mind asking ourselves what is our goal right what is our goal for our workout when we're going into our workout what is asking yourself, what is my goal for today? Is it to feel good? Is it to build muscle? Is it to uh, get an increase in my human growth hormone production, right? Let's get clear on what that looks like for us because how we go about it, it can be radically different. And sometimes just running ourselves into the ground, especially doing the same thing over and over and over again, we're missing a lot of flavors of human potential, right? Because one of the things we talked about today, running is something that your genes expect you to do. And this is something that becomes uh, a bit of a, a distant, forgotten skill for a lot of people as we go on in age. And so I hope this is a re-engagement for you in your mind and also in your actions for doing some, doing some sprinting, and, but doing it in a safe and smart fashion. So uh, doing sprint drills beforehand, making sure for yourself that you're adequately warmed up and making sure that you're also learning about the skill because this is something if there's different ways of running you know where are your arms are you running like a baby raptor are you running like steven seagal you know are you running like a truly great sprinter and these are all skills that you can also pick up from checking out dr kelly starrett and by the way everybody if you're excited about the brand new health coaching program that's kicking off and the scholarships that we're giving away two thousand dollar scholarships through itn 
take action right now because the 12 month incubator is about to kick off. We've got 12 of the top teachers in the world in health and wellness and also in business that you're going to get to learn from directly. This is a nationally certified health coaching program for people just wanting to get started and also people who already have experience in the health and wellness field, but to take things to another level and learn from the very best. So some of our instructors, uh, JJ Virgin, Dave Asprey, uh, Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci, Dr. Terry Walls, and on and on and on. These are many folks who I've had on the show and you get to learn directly from them. It's just, it's absolutely priceless. So head over right now to transformationalnutrition.com forward slash model. That's transformationalnutrition.com forward slash model. And you can get access to the health coaching assessment to see if this is a good fit for you. You know, and that's what it's really all about. And then from there, you can take action and execute on this because the 12 month incubator is kicking off soon. All right. You can enroll in school later, but you might miss out on the very beginning of this 12 month program. All right. So take action on that right now. That's transformationalnutrition.com forward slash model. All right, guys, we've got some incredible, listen, we've got some incredible guests and much desired and requested show topics coming up as well. So just be ready. All right, we're going to keep taking things to another level. I appreciate you so very much. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you've got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.